0: Welcome to Talk Lex, a podcast dedicated to common sense discussion of legal issues facing everyday people. Brought to you by DeRazio Peterson. For more information, visit deraziopeterson.com. Welcome to another episode of Talk Lex. I'm Scott Peterson. Uh, I'm here today with Doug Gerhart and Josh Silver. Uh, Doug is a member of a partner at Harris Beach and a member of their cannabis team. And Josh is the owner of Silver Therapeutics, which is a quickly growing multi-state cannabis company. Uh, And we're here today to talk all things cannabis and cannabis law. Uh, We're going to talk nationally out of New York State and also in New York State. Um, And these are two of the people that I think are the most knowledgeable uh, in the business at the moment. So we're going to talk to them. Um, Josh, before we get started, here, why don't you give a little bit of background as to Uh, how you entered into the the cannabis world. Uh, And I will give a little bit of your background in that. Uh, When we met and for many years, you were a practicing lawyer. Uh, And so, uh, you know, how you came to cannabis is kind of an interesting story, I think.
1: Yeah, I I came through the um, law office route. um, That's for sure. Um, So my background was as a real estate attorney. um, And I was practicing in Clifton Park in 2016. Um, and looking over the fence at Massachusetts when they uh, adopted their adult use regulation or their adult use law, um, just started uh, kind of thinking about uh, getting involved with the Massachusetts adult use market. I um, knew some people from Colorado who uh, who had gotten to the industry there and the industry and um, uh the industry in Washington and the one thing I noticed about them is that they skied more than I did. So um that being a major motivating factor for me to to take a look at perhaps a different career. So um you know I kind of looked at it as a real estate problem. That was where my background was. So you know probably you have as a screwdriver everything looks like a screw. Um, so uh, I, I I looked at it like a real estate problem and um noticed pretty quickly that the municipalities um, have really an outsized influence relative to the state um, in in getting these Massachusetts licenses. So um, just started reaching out to different communities. Uh, it was pretty early on uh, when I was reaching out, the adult use regulations had not been implemented yet. So, um, you know, there was a lot of fear, I think, about what these, uh, what these adult use dispensaries would do to the fabrics of the communities that they were coming into. Um, so I spent a lot of time just trying to put people at ease um, and getting local support. Um, I opened my first retail dispensary in Williamstown uh, in 2019. Uh, in April, um, we were the second um, standalone adult use dispensary to open in the state. All the other operators, with one exception, had been uh, vertically integrated medical operators who were all pretty sophisticated and well-funded and were able to transition um, with varying degrees of success to the adult use market. So um, when we came in, we stood alone um, more or less. There weren't a lot of groups that came in the way we did. Uh, We opened our second store in uh, 2020 in in July. It's in Orange, Massachusetts. Um, And uh, we're under construction with a third location in Boston, which is going to be our flagship store uh, called the City Farm. Um, and uh, we're also turning on three retail dispensaries in a cultivation facility in Maine, in uh, Portland, uh, South Portland, and Berwick, Maine, with cultivation in Brunswick. Um, all of those are, um, you know, I would say maybe a month away from um, receiving certificates of occupancies from the municipalities. And maybe three weeks after that, we should be able to get open there.
0: Josh, you used a um, used the term vertically integrated. Um, for for mm-hmm. someone who doesn't know what that means, what what does that mean in the cannabis world? Uh,
1: so um, that's simply that the uh, the business has uh, a cultivation facility. Um, they process it if it if they're making marijuana infused products, um, and then they have a retail outlet for it all under the same. Uh, business entity or or related companies, so that the entire supply chain um, is is controlled uh, by that one company. And um, with cannabis, which um, is still federally illegal, um, and the interstate um, transport of cannabis is is a big no no, especially if you want to operate in the daylight, um, in in the regulated market. Um, you can't look to you know established markets like California, like Oregon, that have really robust cultivation um, already in place to import your your product. Everything has to be grown in state. So um, everything has to be sold in state. So what it does is I think it creates an opportunity um, for businesses to become vertically integrated and control their supply chain because you're not really competing with um, interstate commerce.
0: Yeah, we're going to dive into that. Some more detail in a bit because that's interesting now, and I'm sure that's going to be interesting when, if and when the, the floodgates open and federal uh, federal legalization happens. so Before we get to that, though, Doug, why don't you tell us why don't you tell us how you came to uh, be involved with with Harris Beach's cannabis team? Because I know you've been practicing law for a long time, and uh, yeah. I'm assuming that this was not on your radar 10 years ago. But I, you tell me, wh- how did how did that? Yeah, be? sure, sure. So
2: we're um... It's just really interesting listening to Josh, and and forgive me, but it sounds like his law career kind of went up in smoke. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. (laughs) You know, it was like a softball sitting there. I had to say it. Um, Yes, I've been practicing about 25 years, Yeah, a little bit more than that, actually. And I do a lot of labor and employment work. I do a lot of public sector work, and I, I started my legal career. Working in in government in the New York State Assembly, and over the years, I work a lot with regulated industries. So I've been, you know, I've done work before the State Liquor Authority, the Attorney General, uh, a variety of different state agencies, um, in addition to doing a a lot of labor work. So as the cannabis, um, as as murder got passed, the the um, the new law allowing allowing cannabis in New York State. The firm decided we should we should probably have a have a, a team put together to to work on that. And I should say, Harris Beach is a very big law firm. We have a dozen offices. We have 230 235 attorneys, and we really do practice in virtually every um, legal space there is. Uh, we don't do personally personal injury plaintiff work, but we do a lot of defense of that. And we do corporate work. We do have a huge government compliance component to our practice and a huge labor component. So what we did was we we gathered up some expertise from the various areas that we work, knowing that those would each have sort of touch points with the cannabis industry. And we now have a team together that uh, is overseen by folks that have dealt in in the government compliance world, literally for, for decades. Uh, we have folks that are from the corporate, uh, the corporate industry team, um, folks like myself. I'm sort of the labor guy, uh, predominantly on the cannabis team. But because I've dealt with some of the regulated industries, I have some wherewithal in that in that area as well. So, what we are are doing as a firm is, you know, keeping track of what's going on. It's nice to see that we now have a cannabis control board, thanks to Governor Hochul, as opposed to having that language for as long as it did under the previous administration and you know we're expecting the you know regs are being put forward by that board fairly regularly now and you know we hope that, that that industry is going to be up and running pretty quickly in New York state so we are you know because we have those various contacts in the various areas that that uh, cannabis touches in terms of legal issues we're pretty well positioned we think we're pretty well positioned to to help folks in that in that area so you know Josh's company starts to want to work in New York state help Help navigate through the control board as he gets licensed, depending on what part of his business he, he wants to do. You know, the citing, getting down into the nitty gritty, because we're, because we we operate in a bunch of different parts of the state. Um, when it comes time to look at individual uh, local entities, we'll I talk about this in a little bit, as to what they permit, what they don't permit locally, based on their local uh, local rules that they've adopted. Um, we'll be able to help you with that a little bit, you know, We're at least hoping to. So, so that's kind of the, the, the broad brush with respect to cannabis, because it does as an industry, it will touch everything. And it's interesting. Josh came from the, he, he he approached the, the industry initially from the real estate standpoint, which it very much has a very big component of. And, and obviously he's dealt, he's, he's done very, very well, you know, developing his company and his business across multiple states. So, um, I suspect the challenge someone like Josh has, and companies like him have, is dealing with this on a state-by-state basis. You know, Massachusetts is—you know—depending on where you are in New York, it's a—it's a five iron, and you're you're in Massachusetts, but the regulation is entirely different. And point Josh made is a really well-taken one. You can't transport across state lines because it is still federally illegal. Um, you know, Massachusetts and Maine. You know, their neighbors, you know, never the twain shall meet. So it's it, it's a challenge. I mean, it's inhibiting to to folks like Josh and 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 folks he competes with, um, because it is so regulated in different states in different ways. I mean, you're talking about half the Northeast is 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 you know, cannabis is legal, but you got to deal with the regulatory entities in every every state and they're all different. So um, our hope in is to be able to help folks ease through that process at every step of it. You know, in the legal side of things, so that, that it can be at least a little bit smoother for you as you as you enter that marketplace.
0: Yeah, and in, in the, the idea of this state-by-state state regulation is is kind of a an interesting one. Josh, do you have you found that even going between you know starting in Massachusetts and then moving into Maine that things differ significantly? Or are you finding that there, you know, there's some some consistency among what to expect when you're moving from state to
1: state? Uh there's uh pre a fair bit of consistency between Massachusetts and Maine. Um, That's not necessarily the case, especially as you compare say Massachusetts to a state like Illinois or uh, any of the Western States. And certainly New York is seems to be going in a, in a different direction altogether. So um, it's challenging um, getting your head around the regulations of every new market that, that you're trying to dip your toes into. Um, that's, um, yeah. Um, one of the great toys that I've had as, as kind of an ex lawyer, um, and going into, uh, these, these different markets is kind of bringing in the team of, of professionals, um, <clears throat> putting together the, the lawyer team, um, that, that really has a good sense on a, on a very particular, um, set of regulations. Uh, I think, you know, if you kind of look at across um, the industry and see where some of the other multi-state operators have have perhaps um, uh, failed, it's it's by expanding into states where I don't think they necessarily fully understood the difference between the regulations and, and how much that can influence um, how your business is run. Um, I mean, it really starts with the regulations and then you you try to build your business around you know, backwards from that. Yeah,
0: I, I, I just, I was gonna say, I imagine that um, the regulators are quite on top of <laughs> newcomers into this business, tr- because there's obviously, like you said, there's this concern about the, the fraying of the fabric of society, I think is one of the arguments against mm-hmm. legalization. And mm-hmm. I, I imagine that the regulators are, are Looking very closely at what you guys are doing—is that—is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these these are professionals that have been hired for that specific purpose, and you know, um, <laughs> you know, one of the problems um, in Massachusetts is um, with the regulations is that they're not always consistently applied, because at the end of the day, the regular, there's there's a, a person with a name tag. Um, that um you know has a family and goes home at night, and he's the guy that's actually interpreting these regs, and there's not this huge body of precedent that he can look to when there's anything in the gray area, so as a result, um, you know in Massachusetts, we have um, a point of contact at the cannabis control commission. He's the gentleman that's done all of our inspections for all of our sites and will continue to be our point of contact until he moves on and I got a pretty good sense on on his view of the regulations. If we had a different regulator, a different agent that was assigned to us, it's not hard to imagine the business running in, in very different ways.
0: So I think, you know, for someone who hasn't been into a dispensary on the East Coast, uh, you go into a store in Massachusetts and, you know, there's pretty strict, uh rules about getting into the store and when you buy something you pay and you can use a debit card but you can't use a credit card now for for someone who doesn't involve who isn't involved in this business or the regulation of it what so why is that and you know what what are the rules around uh taxation and 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 this is kind of a broad question but let's start there what what's the reason why they're essentially cash transactions
2: i think uh One of the reasons for that is a lot of the big banks, you got your cap, you know, what's in your wallet, you know, your Capital One card. Well, that's a, you know, federally chartered bank. So federally chartered banks are not gonna be able to engage in a transaction for a product which is um, illegal federally. Um, And I think, you know, that's why you see the debit card or the cash transaction. You You go to most dispensaries, typically they have an ATM machine. And you use your ATM card, you get the cash out. It's cash cash transaction for exactly that reason. And it's an encumbrance because if you look at the, you know, right now as you as you started with, when, when we started this, you know, Scott, you mentioned how cannabis is is still illegal federally, and that's true. And that transcends a lot of the the difficulties with with the businesses. And I'm sure Josh experiences this now operating in two states because you still can't make business deductions for the most part um, uh, from your federal taxes. So when you have a, you know, when you're a, your business and you, you have to pay taxes federally on your business, you can deduct your expenses. And absent the cost of goods sold related expenses, you can't deduct for anything related to your cannabis business because 280E of the Internal Revenue Code says, this is an illegal substance. It would—it's kind of like the—you uh, know—your any any illegal substance, federally illegal substance, of which marijuana is listed specifically in the Internal Revenue Code is one. Um, you can't you, you can't deduct those expenses because it's illegal. So that is an encumbrance, and I suspect that Josh, in some sense, has a really easy time doing. His federal taxes for his company every year because there's virtually nothing he can deduct. You know, mileage costs, advertising costs, none of that gets deducted. So it's a, it is an encumbrance and it, it, it makes the business a more costly business to transact and engage in. Um, but getting back to your point, that's really why when you're dealing with the uh, you know going to the dispensary, you know, you know very pleasant experience, but they make sure that you have your cash on hand and if you don't well there's your atm and you get you get surcharged and all that great stuff but that's why that's why because it is it is permitted it is a, a legal product federal it, in, at state level more than half the states have have met uh, have cannabis legal in some way shape or form but it's still federally illegal and that that's an encumbrance and it gets to the point that josh made which is because it's, fe- illegal, it's an illegal it's a controlled substance federally Crossing state lines—that's transaction, interstate commerce transaction of an illegal good. I mean, honestly, under the under the IRC, there's no distinction between that and cocaine, which is striking but reality. So there has been—and for anybody listening, you know, there has been some movement. The Internal Revenue Service does understand the reality that they that they are living in, which is that so many states do have cannabis. Cannabis is legal in so many states. There, there is a, I would say, tacit re- recognition by the Internal Revenue Service that this does present problems. They, not too long ago, issued a Frequently Asked Question, an FAQ, on IRC 280E and issues related to it. It didn't change anything, but it's a recognition that yes, you still have to follow this, and it is still illegal federally. But absent the change in the statute. Um, which you know perhaps that will be coming at some point it's it's going to be uh it, it it will be
0: a hindrance to to quite a few businesses so so just so the listener understands this and i i want to make sure i understand this they're, they they will collect you, they will collect taxes from you josh but they won't let you deduct any offsets and right. they they will recognize that they're collecting taxes on what they what they consider to be an illegal illegally sold substance uh, but they won't prosecute you for it either. It's just that you're not going to get any financial benefits. Is that, is that, fair? Is that a fair
1: description? You hey, haven't <laughs> a <long> law <laughs> You wouldn't be calling the uh, IRS hypocritical, would you? <laughs> I, I, know, I know you wouldn't be. It's, no, no. That's not the type, right. of type of program you're running here. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it's, I mean, they're, um, uh, it's, it's punitive. Um, it is, uh, I mean, 280E is crushing. I mean, it really, uh, prevents, uh, profitability, um, at the retail level. Um, there are strategies. And so uh, we do, we are able to, um, uh, deduct some of our expenses by rolling them into cost of goods sold. Um, which, you know, kind of a long story of how you get there, but for the most part, yeah, my taxes are pretty easy. How much you buy it for, how much you sell it for so you pay the tax on the difference. The hat you're um, wearing
2: is an advertising gimmick, but you probably yeah. can't deduct that.
1: Oh, of course not. Yeah, I don't keep my receipts for lunch. You know, I take <laughs> I'm taking some folks out for dinner tonight. I don't have to. Eat. Who cares? Yeah. Um, so that's difficult, it's difficult, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure
2: we're seeing writing on the wall that that's going to change anytime soon.
1: But... but you know, it's so lucrative. I mean, it's really hard to. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big incentive-driven guy. I try to look and see who's motivated to do what and why. Right. And um, it's really hard to find this the the daylight into getting rid of. 280e. If you're, you know, a federal um, a lawmaker, it's just the industry is is thriving despite it, um, and uh, the government gets to really basically double their their the, the taxes that they'd otherwise be entitled to receive. So um, it's going swimmingly for them.
0: Do you see? Do you envision? Um, I mean, do you see this as as actually being a hindrance to federal legalization because there's just no incentive if if the government's willing to say hey, we'll turn the other cheek. We'll let you guys operate in states as they, as they pass, as they legalize. And presumably more and more will, will do so. The dominoes will just start to fall. Does that hinder the government for them to say, what's the point of legalization? If, if we can just keep collecting all this revenue?
1: I think it does. I mean, look, there's, um, every time they pass a law, right? There's, uh, some, uh, accountant that assigns a dollar amount to it, um, you know the Federal Accountability Office or whatever the nonpartisan you hear about it every time yeah. pass a law. Congressional budget. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's going to be a dollar amount associated with federal legalization, and it's going to acknowledge the fact that their uh, tax revenue from marijuana businesses will be probably cut in half if it goes um, uh, if it goes legal. Now that's a, I think a, a pretty cynical way to look at it. Um, I think it's uh, probably more complicated than that, and if I'm really uh, looking at this pragmatically, i I just at a certain point, we'll hit critical mass. There'll be enough states um where um where legalization has occurred and and every year it's more, it's not less. I haven't seen it one state go the other way. No. Um, so we'll get to critical mass and then something will change federally. when that happens, I don't know.
2: yeah, I think it's probably right, and I think we're you know we're slowly approaching that. I think when you see states as uh, big states like like New York um entering the market. I think that that's going to be influential. You know, Chuck Schumer, sure. Kristen Gillibrand are very influential. Um, so I think we might see some movement. I'm not saying that uh, New York is by no means the, the the tail wagging the dog, but it's possible that as you see more populous states moving in that direction, <clears throat> it might be hopeful. But right now it's, you know, there is some isolation and, and some challenges. I mean, you know, it's great that you're operating in two states, hopefully, hopefully three soon. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to a uh, a dispensary, one of the bigger ones in um, in uh, Michigan a month or two ago. And I asked him, I said, you know, New York is, you know, it's not legal in New York. You guys thinking of entering the New York market and flat out? Nope. We're just going to keep expanding here you know, they're not going to bother with another state. And they were very robust. It was very big dispensary, very professionally, you know, operated. And you, know, you walk in, it's extremely impressive. I chuckled a little bit because I walked in and they, they welcomed us. And they said, if you go into the next room, you will meet your bud tender <laughs> instead of your bartender, which I think has become sort of common parlance now. And it was great. It was, it was a very, very educational experience for someone who, you know, you know, not not wildly familiar with the use, and uh, you know it works well. So they're, but they're like, you know what? Michigan's a big enough state for us right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, well, Josh, I know we've talked about the the licensing issues in in Massachusetts, and and I'll be interested to hear Doug your your perspective on this in New York as well. But my understanding is that there are, there are a limited number of licenses. Um, there are there a limited number of uh josh if you were to say i want to open shops all across massachusetts is that something that's available to you as a license holder or uh, what what does that look like
1: no so there's um there's a license cap that um that any individual or entity and they kind of follow a waterfall um of of ownership down to make sure you're not circumventing it but um you're only allowed to have three dispensaries well i should say three of any single class of licenses in, in Massachusetts. Um, so you could have three dispensaries, three cultivation facilities, three processing facilities, although why you do that, I don't know. Really, um, it's the retail that that you want to be able to grow your footprint with. So um, they cap yet three, um, main, they cap at four. Um, I don't know what they're going to do in New York. I mean there there's so many questions about um, New York and um, you know I, I'd i love to hear um, you know, what, what Doug knows. Um, but, uh, there's just so many different ways that this could break. Um, I know when you look out, um, you know, you mentioned Michigan, um, and, you know, I, I'm not terribly familiar with Michigan, but I looked at Illinois and those, um, the limiting factor there really is the state. Um, they, there's a certain number of licenses that the state is issuing. Um, and as a result, um, if you get a license in, in Illinois, it's, Extremely valuable um, because uh, they're like taxi cab medallions in 1998. <laughs> you know they make more of them. Um, hopefully they're not taxi cab medallions in 2020. Because, no, not, not uh, a no, good time for that. Not a good time for that. <laughs>
2: no, um, but
1: I bet there are people people listening
2: to this saying, "What's a medallion? Yeah. Is that a different? Yeah. T- is that a different type of Uber? Uber? <laughs>
0: yeah. Is that a new Uber yeah. company? It's actually a good yeah. idea for an app, but yeah." yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I
2: don't, I don't think New York. I don't. I think what New York is. I mean, New York's one of those states where you know every three states a little different. But you know, you got the city, you got Metro New York, and you got the rest of the state. And I think what, what New York's likely to do is to determine licenses. You know, I, I'm sure that there's going to be something akin to what you're describing in Maine and Massachusetts and New York. Um, and I think there's some history that New York has with respect to regulated industries that suggests that that would be something they would do. Um, you know, years ago when, when alcohol, uh, after prohibition, you know, there were laws put in place to sort of protect against like having the, the one, the town that was a a town that only sold a particular type of beer or, you know, alcohol. So you could have a, you know, distribution license or a production license, but not a retail license. And so I don't think that, I think those are antiquated at this point and those have changed over the years. But I could see a structure like that happening. And I also think you would probably see something that will regulate it in such a way that it recognizes the different urban settings in New York, in particular downstate. You know, you look at the population of New York and look at the, the population centers of essentially down Rockland, Westchester, into the city and out the island. There's a huge swath of there's there's so many more people there. So I think that the, we might see some regulation that that addresses that a little bit more because you don't have that in other in other states, to the degree we do in in New York, even Boston, you can't compare Boston in terms of population that like New York, um, you know, even Maine. So um, I don't know. I think that's going to be in development. I think w- that we're going to be seeing that as the regs get discussed and regulation development starts starts rolling along. I think we're going to see a little bit more discussion on that.
1: So, yeah, there's been. That pull between upstate and downstate, not just in cannabis, but in everything in New York for forever and for always. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that was always to me, um, you know, everybody has been asking me as a, you know, cannabis businessman in Saratoga Springs, what's happening in New York? And this is before legalization. And I just, I, I'm surprised we got a law passed at all. I, I think if we don't have, you know, a series of scandals, that occur in, uh, in, in Albany, maybe we don't get it. Maybe because it just seemed impossible to bridge the gap between what's in it for downstate and and what's in it for upstate. I I think just having,
2: I don't know if you were Josh, if you had an opportunity, but I was, uh, listening to the most recent control board meeting last or earlier this week, and they seem to be rolling along pretty, pretty Mm -hmm. steadily and pretty, pretty solidly. Um, I'd be surprised if anything got appended at this point, and I think particularly because the 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 appointment on that board was so languished, not only for so mm-hmm. long, but for you know, and I suppose this sounds like a critique on the previous administration, and so be it, but you know, for no reason. And Governor right. Hochul demonstrated there was no reason because she takes office, and you know, within a, a political moment we have people on the board and here we go. So I think that there is a real energy to, um, and, and and desire to really move things forward, certainly methodically and judiciously and thoughtfully, but also, you know, as expeditiously as possible. At least that's yeah, what I, I'm, I'm taking from them too. So I'm hoping that happens.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think there, you know, the dam has been broken, right? And there's, the the board's been appointed. They're prof- and And those people have been asked to do something. I mean, these are professionals that, that, that are sitting on that board that have a job to do and they're going to make, they're going to show up for work and do their job. Um, so um, the momentum that we have now, I think is going to, um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's going to carry us through and, and, you know, I don't know how long it takes, but we're going to have regs. Uh, we're going to have applications. We're going to have retails. It's, it's all happening. It, you know, it's moving at its own speed, but I think up until this point, up until really um, the law passed, because keep in mind, you know, um, there was no public referendum in New York State. You know, we really—that—that's um, that, how it happened in Massachusetts. That's how it happened in Maine. Uh, all the Western states. Um, so uh, we really needed the legislature to actually do something to make it happen. And the fact that that it actually did occur at all, I think that—that's where really the miracle. That was the Immaculate Conception moment for the industry in uh, um, in New York State. So we're we're beyond it. Well, and so if you're if if you're an average
0: person in New York who's kind of just thinking, you know, all right, great. Well, you know, it's great that if I I can walk down the street and smoke a joint if I want. But, you know, where would I go? When will I be able to walk into a store and buy it? You know, what's what's real? Realistically, what are we looking at? Because obviously there's a there's a significant period of time from uh legalization to implementation and you guys are kind of both discussing that but where what's new york looking like if you had to you know put a wager on when somebody will actually be able to walk into a store and buy whatever they want to buy what are we what are we talking about i'm curious what josh thinks
2: i i am <laughs> prognosticating or maybe hopefully thinking in 23 that will happen um, if you look at where The control board is now with respect to moving forward with the regulatory process and and getting things in place. What has to happen is there has to be regulations drafted. They have to be vetted. That's a a process in and of itself. But even even after you have that um, initial reg drafted, it has to go through the state administrative procedures act process of then publishing it, getting comment, possibly amending it, going back out for final, and then it gets approved. That's, you know, that that process for emergency regs can be shortened. I'm not sure this would be deemed an emergency. So it would have to go through, you know, a couple month process there. And they're in the midst of doing that now. I mean, they just, they were were passing things the other day. Um, But it just seems to me, once that regulatory scheme is constructed, adopted, finalized, you then have folks like Au Therapeutics or other companies will then have to make application, submit, have that reviewed, possibly have it amended based on whatever the process is, resubmit it, have it approved. I just can't imagine all of that taking place in something less than roughly a year's time. Like a year from now, could there be applications being submitted? I would, I would like to think yes. I think as Josh said, you know, there's, you know, the dam has broken and there's a real desire to move this along effectively and, and, and expeditiously, but it, there's a practicality to the process that needs to be adhered to. So I think that would be my guess. I mean, there was a there was a member of the board the other not too long ago who mentioned something like, you know, it's gonna be 18 months until you get a license. No one has followed up as to whether that's actually what's anticipated. Or if that was uh, an exaggerated time frame or not, but I, it, it seems to me it could be shorter than that. But you know, I don't think you're going to be sitting, you know, buying buying product in downtown X Y Z town in July of 2022. I think that that's overly aggressive.
1: I I, I totally agree. And and the one other thing that I'd add um, is uh, you got to build these things too. Um, so I mean, on the retail side, um, you know, maybe you can take a little bit of a risk, um, a financial risk and, and you know, be somewhat confident you're going to get a license and start construction on the retail store before you're actually issued that license, if it is 18 months from now. But otherwise, that's another six months. You got to, you know, you got to build out your store. And then if you're talking, you know, supply chain, there's, you know, what, seven or 10 um, medical cultivators in the state right now. And um, the, the lead time to bringing on new cultivators from, that, that are not currently in the medical market right now, that's, uh, you know, 24 months from the time you get a license to bring on a new cultivator. Now, what we saw in Massachusetts, I think, will probably um, play out a little bit here. And, and that's the um, uh, the medical operators um, really uh, we able to scale up before everybody else because they already had the infrastructure and the cash flow to um, to expand their facilities um, to to meet the adult use demand, which is like you know it's like seven times the medical demand in Massachusetts, which had like a real medical program. The medical program up until the, the, these latest reg changes in New York was a total joke. Um, nobody, I don't know anybody with their cards, their medical cards in New York. I, I think that we'll start seeing that change um because they made some uh changes to regulations but um that's all to say there's the lead time for the license and then there's the just the lead time about ramping up a business um and and it takes a long time you know i'm i'm in the middle of it right now it's contractors it's certificates of insurance it's um plumbing code it's all these little things that um that add time
2: yeah i could see i could see there being a lot of uh a lot of new new retail in New York City because there's so much retail there, there's so much office space available. You know, I guess you could you could use a double entendre and
1: say that you're gonna open a space in a high-rise. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, we we've, we retrofitted a handful of stores, and no matter every I've walked, we retrofit a head shop. I mean, you think what's more like a retail space than than a head shop that's outfitted for selling pipes? Um, but it's just it ain't that easy. I mean, there's, totally different vibe too. I mean, depending and, on what you want to do. You know? And the security infrastructure, yeah. um, the IT, um, you know, uh, they a lot of times it's a change of use, uh, which requires coming up to code with, uh, for ADA stuff. You know what right. I mean? Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, there's a whole myriad of, uh, of issues that come up. Even when you walk into a retail space and be like, I, instead of selling um, CBD, I'm selling marijuana, I'm just going to switch out the inventory. That's, that's not it at all. Um, it's, it's. Well, and you also then, it? you know,
2: over time in New York, you're going to have to figure out what, what towns you can, you can actually, you know, go into. Yeah. And, that, um, that's, and hopefully yeah. that lists, you know, the, 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 boards, hopefully they're, they're hopefully going to be there. It looks like they're gathering to try to figure out, you know, what the regulations are in each place and, uh, you know, hopefully that'll make it easier, but that's still, you know, you got your site, you live in Saratoga, you you got your site set on Saratoga, you know, maybe Saratoga is not going to be a viable option. Maybe you got it in Boston spot right. or Falls or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. And let's, let's, yes. let's, let's talk about that. So, um, Josh, I know we've talked about uh, the sort of capacity restrictions that you're dealing, you're seeing in, in a city like Boston, but this summer, and Doug, I think I told you, we were out in Northwest Washington this summer, uh, Washington State, and there were sections of some some towns out there where there seemed like there was a cannabis shop like every 100 feet. I mean, it was everywhere. And you know, as somebody who I support legalization, I, I I'm perfectly fine with it in in my town. I wouldn't want to see one every 15 feet. I think you know for a number of reasons. Do, what what do you what do you see happening um, in New York? Is this a locality issue? Uh, and 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 Josh, w- maybe you can just compare. Uh, what I'm describing, what I'm describing in, in Washington to what you see in like in, in Massachusetts currently?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a function of zoning in Massachusetts almost exclusively. And I think it's going to be the same in, uh, um, in New York and zoning is defined by the, the by the municipality, the local municipality. Um, the re- the law that was passed in New York, um, said that, uh, the municipalities, if they opt into the law, can regulate time in or in, in place, which is, that's, those are zoning words. Um, so that means that the municipality has to um, go into their uh, ordinance to find cannabis use as something other than retail use. Because if they don't, then it's just a retail use. And we've got retails all up and down Broadway. And there's nothing that would prevent them from all being cannabis use, because the town you know, unless they have defined it as something other than retail is they're going to have to accept it as, um, um, as, as an approved use. So it's really incumbent upon the towns to get in front of it on the zoning side. Um, and they can do a lot. Um, towns in Massachusetts have done a lot. They, um, Boston has a half mile setback between, uh, retail dispensaries. Um, other towns have uh, I mean, there's always setbacks from schools and some some towns have religious institutions, um, but some of them also have parks that they want to be set back. I mean, there's a lot of thought that can go into it, a lot of opportunities for towns to look at um, their communities and figure out um, how they want the industry to grow. Um, because if you do nothing, um, you end up with uh, uh, really just a, a lot of a lot of dispensaries, and it really does change the character of the town.
2: Or it could, or you know, maybe not. You know, there there are some dispensaries are just like you know, it's kind of like going into a liquor store. And I think mm-hmm. I think part of the problem that we have is you know, and I joked earlier how your your law career went up in smoke in reference to the Cheech and Chong movie, but I think that's what a lot of people have in their head when they hear dispensary, you know, and they mm-hmm. see, but. Once you've gone into a dispensary or or you know witnessed how these take place in other states, you realize it's vastly different from that. And it is a business and it's a very reputable and it's you know that look they they have a look and feel with just any other business, no, no different than a a liquor store or a, in some cases a nice bar. So, you know, it's it's I think there's a there's a stigma attached that has to be overcome and I think some of the some regulating entities whether they're zoning boards or local towns um need to get over that a little bit and and maybe you'll see some changes but I you know there's there's TikTok videos of a town down in the lower Hudson Valley where there was such an such an animated discussion about whether to permit um a dispensary in the town I mean literally it was it went like the video was so Brazen and went viral. So, you know that that I think that is maybe you know exaggerating what's actually going to happen.
0: But. Yeah, and uh, so there there it sounds like there's some version measure of like a locality rule that allows towns. I know in Massachusetts towns can just opt out of having them all together. I assume New York will offer the same option. It seems like it, right? Seems like it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it also seems like one of the ways for New York to limit that would be to simply limit the number of licenses. Um, do we know, uh, Josh, I think you've told me in the past that Massachusetts has a limit on the number of licenses that it will issue, period. Uh, is that right? No,
1: no, that, that, that's not the case. Yeah, though the limiting factor in Massachusetts is the municipality. Uh, if you uh, if you can put together um, an application, uh that has the required local support and the in massachusetts the uh, select board or the town manager um has to sign off on it actually they enter into an agreement with you which they call the host community agreement um if you have one of those agreements and you can check all the boxes you're entitled to your license um regardless of the number that have already been issued by the state so um it's really just you know there's only a there's a finite number of towns. Um, Not all of them have opted in. And the ones that have, some of them don't want any more. And in Massachusetts, there's actually, um, uh, they have unlimited discretion to approve or deny um, a uh, uh, a cannabis license. There's really no oversight. And in fact, um, (laughs) there is uh, one town manager was, was captured um, selling his support for, I think a quarter billion dollars to like an undercover FBI agent. So I think he's doing <laughs> some time now. Um, yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah, but, happen. but that's because it's, there's no oversight. There's nobody, um, if you get denied for a uh, host community license, uh, agreement in, um, uh, Massachusetts, um, there's no recourse.
0: And, do we see New York operating essentially the same way in terms of no cap on the actual number of licenses uh, and keeping it just a, a, a municipality driven, town driven, locally driven decision making process?
2: I don't know. I think that, there, you know, might they might go the way of Massachusetts. having, I mean, you know, having what is it? I think it's three, three retail per owner. Yeah. So your Boston facility will be your third. Correct. So I could see them doing that. And then in addition to that, siting will also have zoning um, considerations and maybe they'll, that'll be left up to local zoning. I don't really see a town in New York saying, you know, we want to have dispensary row. So I have a feeling you'll see some regulation on that in that regard, just to to prevent that, you, you know, and, and, you know, if you look at other regulated, regulated industries and I've I more than once mentioned alcohol, you know there are limitations with respect to the siting of a liquor store, and you know where it can be in relation to another liquor store. So I could see some in a, a analog in that regard too. You know, um, it may not seem that way because it, it seems like liquor stores are often ubiquitous in various places, but if you look, you're you don't see them next to one another.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a good point. And we were talking before we started here about. Um, there were some articles in the in the Times Union, I think today about um, the sort of call for towns to start making decisions about this or municipalities to start making decisions. And I mentioned that I read, I think Clifton Park indicated that, you know, we're open to uh, a dispensary but we don't want lounge consumption. Um, so uh, is that, are, are we, do we anticipate ever seeing a situation like if you were to go to Amsterdam, uh, and you, you know, you can walk into a bar and order a joint and a cup of coffee. Is that, is that something that we see happening, or is that? Could you
2: know? There's a yeah. I mean, I could, I could
1: absolutely see that happening. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's in the law. I mean, they're. Uh, I think that's common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Massachusetts too, um, when they, uh, um, they did the regs. They, there's a recent revision of the regs, and it's not. I think effective yet, but the the cannabis lounges are contemplated there too, and I think they're just not trying to roll everything out at once. But um, yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna be um, the utopia you've always dreamed of. <laughs>
0: well, so that 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 kind of brings me to another topic, which is I I, I had like a funny story over the summer. My my in laws were out in Cape Cod, and they got invited to go visit some friends uh, on the Outer Cape, and they they came back the next day and they, they were laughing because they got there and the friends, you know, had had a bunch of pot and they wanted them to smoke some joints. And they were and like the people who, that they were seeing were not the typical and I use that term in quotes person that you would expect to just have this kind of a party. Right. And it's 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 I thought it was great. But, you know, what what's been the response that you've seen? um In Massachusetts to to legalization into these stores and and what are the people what do the consumers look like I would imagine it's not all just a bunch of you know 17 year old stoners that everybody was worried about I would imagine it was much more different yeah. dynamic I, I I'll tell you my experience and you know Josh is the owner so he he's got vastly more than I do but
2: it's every walk of life there's no demographic there's no age or um you know it's it's not the you know the the stereotypical stoner you know, there are people that are, you know, professionals like ourselves. There are people that are, you know, all walks of life. They, there are people that, that have stress issues and they'll go to a dispensary and they'll seek out a cannabis product that is meant to calm you, you know, and, and there's a lot of those. You know, getting the, the giggly high that results in having the munchies, that's not, you know, I, so that that's a product that can be bought but is by no means the only product, so I think the my my experience with this the demographic is is vastly it's it's very wide it really is yeah is we, we,
1: the same thing yeah absolutely we, I mean we have no demo i mean it's it's just uh it's just everybody um you know and the thing that I've noticed i mean, like i, I started off by saying that we were one of the first standalone um, adult use dispensary so soap in Massachusetts. Now there's, there's a lot of them. I haven't counted, but there's, you know, um, if not a hundred close to it, maybe even more, And um, there's a lot in Massachusetts. Um, yet, um, our sales continue to, to grow because more people are coming to, are, are coming into it more people are discovering cannabis and, and these, um, you know, it's, uh, these are people that maybe they smoked, um, they uh these are people that smoked when they were in high school and maybe took 30 years off but are going back in so um okay. i mean the demo is everybody
0: well you know that's that's probably as good a place as any to kind of wrap up i, I could talk about this forever i think it's sure. i think it's really interesting um you know you both got very interesting and and i think different perspectives about where this is headed um it seems like it's it certainly headed in New York to a place where, you know, Josh or other companies are going to be able to start uh, moving, moving in and, and kind of going in the right direction. So. Um, yeah, let's, let's certainly hope so. I mean, that's,
2: that's the game plan. He's done, And, you know, Josh is, is the kind of company that, that we, you know, would love to to help out. And I'm not, I'm not pushing that. I'm just, you know, he's successful in other States. He's demonstrated acumen in this, in this area. And you know that's the kind of um business that New York wants to attract, particularly he's a new yorker i mean he's he's operating in other states because he heretofore couldn't, so I think he's particularly the the type of business that we want to attract and you know let's hope that 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 comes to fruition, and let's hope that timeline is is a is a reasonable one and one that really can be you know moved forward you know.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that there's uh, there will be some less than stellar applications submitted. Although, from my understanding, Josh, it's an expensive game to get into, um, becoming more so uh, in terms of putting, putting applications t- together and getting a team in place. Is that, is that accurate?
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first got started, somebody threw out a number uh, for how I was like, hey, how much one of those licenses cost? And uh, they threw out a number. I was like, I'll, I'll do it cheaper. Um, and I did. I did it myself. But at the end of the day, I looked back, I was like, no, that was the number. <laughs> and, and, and it had like an extra zero, you know, it was like, think it's another, like, it was just 10 times more than I thought it would be. And it's just because there's, there's, um, you know, one of the great things that's happening now, though, um, and um, that it that wasn't placed three or four years ago was the professional experience in the space. I mean, I didn't have Doug to call um four years ago when i was started I, I and i mean that i i tried there was uh vicente Setteberg, i think was um and I, you're, you're probably familiar with them some degree there um you know they were the cannabis law firm and they wanted 500 bucks to answer my phone call before you know a, anything and and they were too busy to deal with me you right. know what i mean um now there's uh there's lawyers that know what they're doing there's architects that know what they're doing there's security consultants there's um, the, just the amount of industry, the, the experience that exists in the industry is so much greater now than it is uh, four years ago. So um, I think New York is really poised to. Uh, I think we uh, are too. To do things the right way.
2: Yeah, I think I think we are too. I think that it's recognized as an industry, and I think that the time is ripe. And you know, I think I think we are going to see this being successful. And you know, let's let's reconnect the three of us, you know, in this forum and. you know after the first of the year see what's happened and uh you know maybe we'll have better news on the you know more news on the timing and and the regulatory structure so
0: you know because i suspect this is going to be moving ahead doug i'll you before then (laughs) (laughs) all right well that sounds good i i I really appreciate you both coming on um we'll be respectful of time here and wrap it up and hopefully we can continue this conversation at some point in the future
1: thanks again thank you thanks scott thanks Doug